0: 7654321 never have these stone. <laughs> Oh this new crazy mother
1: Welcome friends to episode 121 one of Color of Magic or Magic Gaming Podcast where we talk about all types of things that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers I am your host, Quan Watson, and for 121 episodes, got my main man, Brian Allen, riding shotgun. How is it going, dude?
0: I'm actually, uh, my energy level is, I
1: guess, almost back to
0: normal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true. You're still trying to recover from the COVID over there. Yeah. So
0: there will still be times where I'll think I can walk up a staircase and be fine, and then I can get to the top of a staircase and I'm wheezing like the old man that I am, unfortunately.
1: Man, you know, I just I just hope you can be a lesson to people that no matter what your situation, however you want to vaccinate yourself or not or whatever, just know that, like, even when you get over it, it still lingers a while. Yeah. I mean, that's a consistent thing I hear from people. So, man, take care of yourselves out there for Definitely. sure. Definitely, Man, I'm going to. OK, so we're going to give you all a heads up. We're going to be kind of all over the place this episode. They were they were like, man, we must have prepped for an extra hour and a half this week. I mean, We had so many things to cover that there's a bunch of stuff that's just not going to make it onto this episode. We're going to have to move stuff to the next couple of weeks, honestly. (laughs) There were so many good topics, so uh, I think this is going to be a fun episode. People should enjoy it. Uh, But before we get into all of that, let's pay some love to our friends over at CardsFair.com. A great place to buy and sell cards at the price you want and to buy them at the price you want. And honestly, their site's actually pretty sweet. They do a lot to support Magic players and upcoming content creators, for sure. Not just the big ones, but the small ones that really need the support. So, you know, pay some love to them. If you're looking to get rid of some cards and maybe you don't want to mess with eBay or you don't have the time to be on a certain schedule, go check them out on their website. It's cardsphere.com. Also, if you want to support the show, you can hop over at patreon.com slash color magic. And you could be a lovely supporter just like Sean Cantonese, who's been one of our earliest supporters, actually, since June 2020. So thank you for that, Sean. And to our new patron, Thomas Huell, want to say thank you as well. And because we flipped the calendar to a new month, we have some giveaways. So our two winners this month... Are Mark Fillmore and Lillian Young. So y'all two will be expecting something in the mail here in the next uh, seven to ten days or so, however long. I think we're back to normal shipping times after the holidays. So however long that takes to get to you, yeah, you can expect some stuff in the mail. And finally, if you want to support the show and get something directly in your pocket, or at least on your desktop or your tabletop, go over to colorofmtg.com shop and you can get some tokens and play mats. Woo! There's a lot of things, man. All right. this is Strap yourselves in, folks. This is going to be a heck of an episode. Speaking of which, I'm not even exaggerating. I changed what we were going to talk about here, I think, five times before we agreed on what we were going to do. But this topic, I thought, was probably the most relevant for people. So I'm going with this. But one of the things that came up last week, uh, I guess I can call him a friend at this point. We're, we're pretty close, at least socially online. But Dev over at SBMTG, or Strictly Better MTG, he had posted on Twitter, like, hey, we should do an event with 100 creators and do a big tournament or whatever. And, of course, there were people who were kind of immediately gung-ho about it or whatever. And I was... I don't know if I was say I told him, like, I'm not against the event. But we should ask some questions about intentionality, right? Because I'm a big believer in if you're going to do any large project, you need to do it intentionally, right? As far as what's our goal, what's the purpose, like what's the time frame, you know, what's the follow up, all that, right? That's how you make better content and how you make better decisions and how you make more money. And it kind of devolved very quickly, Right. I'm trying to be the voice of reason. A bunch of people were not not having it, which is fine. That happens in more situations than I want to admit. But. Somebody said, which I didn't immediately respond to, but the fact that somebody said, well, isn't just the fact that people want to see it enough reason to do it. And they got lucky because it caught me today where I didn't have the time, but I have the time now. So they're going to hear about it. Is no, that's not a good enough reason. Right. At the end of the day, you're asking a bunch of people who have busy schedules, some of them that are making their money on doing content or whatever. To just do a thing just because. That's a terrible reason. It just is. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. I won't do anything that affects my livelihood just because. Never have. Right. And I'm not saying you can't do things with a philanthropic purpose. You do things and just be charitable or whatever. Totally. hundred percent. But there's still a purpose to that, right? There's a reason you're doing it. But just to do things without thinking about it, like, that's terrible. Like, I just, I can't even accept that logic. And then somebody else mentioned, well, Mr. Beast does events with a hundred different creators do this thing, win a prize. I was like, yes, but one, there's two, there's really two problems with that. One, Mr. Beast isn't going and getting a bunch of people that have zero to 50 followers. Right. He's getting other creators that already have followings because one, they're probably easier to contact or have connections or have stuff or whatever to make it easy. But they also are going to draw viewers of their own because they all have followings. The other is he's flipping Mr. Beast. He's going to get 30 million views. I think, like I said to Brian, he could literally do a YouTube short or a TikTok from the crapper and he's going to get 20 million views on that. Because he's Mr. Beast. So the scales are not the same. And then privately, because I had told people like, I'm not going to have keep having this conversation on Twitter because nobody goes back and reads the other responses. And I'm going to end up repeating myself. But everybody who wanted to have a conversation in, in Discord, we, I did voice chat with a few folks. And trying to explain that is just like, look, these are not the same scales. These are completely different things. And then when I asked them, OK, how many people have you seen in these Mr. Beast videos that you went and followed? Every one of them said, well, none, but I'm sure other people did. I was like, okay, understand that none of us that I have talked to so far have. To, I, hell, I don't even remember most of the other people. Unless they've appeared in like three, four, five of his videos. I don't really recognize most of them. Unless they were already big. You know, like Dream or some of these other people I've seen on YouTube or other stuff. Like, I, those people I recognize. But any of the new faces? I don't know who they are. So even if some people went and watched. Like, if you're talking, you're talking a very small number of millions If we're talking about an event that we're going to run with just a hundred random creators, maybe gets a thousand, maybe two. What does that result in for some of those people? One extra viewer, two extra viewers, and they gave up a whole day to play in an event. Like they could have they could have generated those viewers anyway, doing two different pieces of material that would make them more money. And then the other problem is, man, I can go on this for days. This is going to be a while, Brian, you might kick your feet up, but like. The other problem, <laughs> I'm serious, like this, and this is a big thing, right? Because then people want to throw up like, well, creators do it in these other games and blah, blah. It's like, yes. But again, we're talking about cases where it's usually two big creators doing a thing in, in, in magic terms. It's crokies and CGB, two big creators that have two big followings. They get thousands of views whenever they stream on Twitch. CGB gets 40, 50, 60,000 views on every video on YouTube, whatever And even for those two, they did it intentionally. They talked about it. They did a bunch of WWE style promo stuff. They trash talked each other on YouTube or on Twitter for like a week and a half. And then they did their event, right? It wasn't even just, okay, cool. Let's battle each other this Saturday so people can watch. It was, let's build this up as a spectacle with each of our audiences. And we'll talk about our decks we're going to play and this, that, and the other. And they turned it into content. And then they did their final event, which both their streams drew well because of it, right? Makes sense. And that's with two of your biggest names. Getting a bunch of randoms is not going to get you that same effect. And I, and no insult to anybody because we all started at the bottom. And I'm not saying those people should never be an event never do stuff. But, like, there's questions. Like, let's say somebody is trying to make their content about being competitive and being better at the game or whatever. And you're on camera and you get ousted in under five minutes. Does that hurt or help that person? Doesn't even matter who. Let's say they even lost to a top player. Does that help or hurt them? Don't know. Right? Does it help them because of a top player and a few more people watch the match? Does it hurt them because they didn't even play worth a damn against one of the good players? Could go either way. There's a bunch of people that make great content that only kind of play Magic as a vehicle, but people watch them because of their personality or because of some silly humor stuff they do or whatever. How do they showcase that during a tournament? Now we can if you want to do lead ups to it and do vignettes or we do things we put in between rounds or whatever, but like just seeing somebody on their, on their webcam while they're playing a game for 10-15 minutes isn't going to do anything especially when half the time you don't have sound of those people because you have voiceover announcers doing stuff and I'm not saying the events can't work and I'm not saying they're terrible, I would still play in some of them, but let's talk about how we help people get the most out of those events first before we just go do the damn thing and here's and here's a real telling situation. Coincidentally, two days after that, I already had a meeting scheduled online with a Zoom call with some people at Facebook and a bunch of people in the uh, Black Gaming Creator Program that I've told you all about before. It was about twenty of us, and I want to say two people from Facebook and one person representing Pipeline, which is a creator website that does some work with with Facebook. Of all the creators on there, well, actually, to tell you this way, Facebook actually had planned to do a series of tournaments during the month of February because, you know, black creators, you got to do something for Black History Month, blah, 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 right? And before I even said anything, multiple other creators had just spoken and said, we should just cancel the tournaments, right? A bunch of people that are up and comers that are trying to grow their brands, We're all on board with saying, let's cancel these special tournaments for the Black Creators during Black History Month. Think about that. If this group of people saying you are making specialized events to give us time during a month where people should be looking for our content, and they were still like, nah, here's some other things we could do that are better. So we talked about like, hey, how about we just do some spotlight pieces like this? How about we talk about the first you know, black woman that y'all became partner on the platform. Maybe we talk about these efforts each of us are doing. Let's talk about some of our communities. Let's do whatever, right? Like these are all going to be better brand builders. These are going to get us more eyeballs than us just playing in five random games throughout the month or four random games, whatever it was. And maybe each of us being on camera for some 20 to 30 minutes during the event or whatever. Like, not saying the events are terrible. There's still a purpose to them. And if we already have an audience, sometimes your audience likes watching you compete or whatever, and that's fine. And that's a thing, and that's a reward for the people following you just so they have somebody to cheer for or whatever. I get it. I've I've polled my own people. It's not about winning or losing, but at that point, I already have an audience. They're just watching me just because they want to see me play. If I was starting out, I don't know if that really even has an impact. Now, there will be some number of people that maybe nobody knows who you are, You spike a tournament, you end up winning, or you come in the top four or something. People hear about your deck, they follow you on Twitter, boom, and it works. There's always going to be somebody that happens to. Maybe not every event, but every other event, every third event, right? There's going to be somebody. But that's not going to be the majority of the people that play. And then we have the other issue that the one James, for people who don't follow him, he's, he's in our Degenerate Gamer group. He does a bunch of stuff on Twitter or Twitch. He actually runs a streamer event and he, he only does 32 people, I believe. And even talking with him privately, he said, there's been multiple times, almost every event where some of those people, either they bail the day before you're waiting for them at the start of the event, the day of they no call, no show, you know, like that's already a problem. And I've said it before. Gamers are not the most professional folks to begin with. So when we're trying to organize a hundred people and you're trying to put in, especially to do it right, and you're putting effort into like building vignettes and doing this and doing that to really get the best out of the event and benefit them, there's a chance they still won't show up. But it was hell, just like I literally had to be like, I'm, I'm just not doing this. I can't just keep responding to all the people with the same stuff or whatever and just look like a jerk, right? So it just wasn't good for me to just keep doing it. So I told people, if you want to have private conversations, hit me up. We can talk about it on Discord or something. But events are fine. Events are good. Events when marketed well can do something. When you have a bunch of your big names participating, it obviously draws eyeballs. But I honestly believe there are a lot of people, and we've talked about this before, that think just playing the game is a way to build your brand. And for most gamers, it's not. And there are people in the industry that understand that. Like, they're a good extra marketing tool. They're good when you already have an audience. They're good when your brand is already about being competitive or whatever. Sure, there are reasons to do it. But without doing it or anything, an event with full intentionality, you're just wasting effort. Like, even whatever effort you get out of it will be further reduced because you didn't put the thought and the planning and whatever into it. Like, we're just trying to help people be better. Like, uh, it's tough. It's tough. All right. I've already wasted like 15 minutes. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm I'm gonna get off this. I'm gonna let you go, Brian. I'm gonna grab something to drink. As we say in a... <laughs> uh have at it, brother.
0: As we say in a murder mystery shows for time, yes, I'm still in this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping I'll be able to talk to y'all next week because this is going to be the first big cold snap we've had in Texas since uh, Icemageddon last year where we almost lost the power grid and our government did basically nothing to fix the power grid. So we're fingers are crossed right now that we don't just lose power for two, three days a month, God knows how long, because... We got enough money to send National Guardsmen to the border to, you know, to handle the border crisis, but no money to fix the power grid that killed people last year. Imagine for a moment being as bad at your job as Texas Governor Greg Abbott is and yet having zero fear of losing that job because you belong to the correct political party to win elections in Texas. I don't even get it, man. I don't. I'm, it doesn't matter how bad the power grid is or that we've got people that na- people up guard the border from no one. It's just we, we got to own the libs, man. That's really
1: what's important. Here, here's the crazy part. Like one, barely even having money to pay the damn National Guard. But the fact that you have people whose lives were literally at risk last year, like people were on the verge of death from the cold. People still straddle with electric bills are trying to get resolved from last winter when somehow they got charged more for electricity that they didn't have for up to two weeks or whatever. So that's a whole thing. It makes no sense uh, to the point that we moved our mother in law out of there because she was living by herself and she went through all that. Like, I couldn't imagine people just, just voting for the same thing over again. Like, I, I like, and like we joked about it before, but like he told y'all. Okay, cool. We're looking into it. We're talking to the companies. We got it fixed. It's all good. And then April came, and temperature started heating up. And he's like, yo, yo, y'all need to slow down on those ACs because it might <laughs> mess up the grid. <laughs> like, no, we thought you fixed it, bro. <laughs> what happened with that? Yeah, man, I don't know. I, I'm hoping for the best for y'all, man. But, I, like, the fact that it was so bad that all I've seen all day from people down there is everybody prepping, worried. And it's yeah. supposed to last, like, 48, 72 hours, they're saying.
0: That's the good news is that it, I think last year it was almost 150 hours. So this year it's not expected to be as long. So even if we do lose power, it won't hopefully be the the catastrophe that it was last year.
1: Yeah. Like that's just, uh, it's sad there's been a whole year and it's still a concern.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and nothing indicates it's going to get any better anytime soon.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he basically he, he outright lied to people said like no we got it fixed we're talking to these people whatever and no you didn't even make a change much less have it fixed like that's scary man i'm i'm hoping for the best especially for y'all cuz y'all got kids at home and everything else yeah, like it's getting over covid
0: so we're hoping that you no, know, we don't lose <laughs>
1: yeah that don't i didn't even think power. about that you're in a place where COVID is very right. rampant, so you have people with all kinds of issues this year that we didn't have, have last people year.
0: People on ventilators, or you know, just 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 to step away from being on ventilators, and obviously, oh. you know, pneumonia can still be a thing for I guess weeks after you've, in theory, recovered. Yeah,
1: that's bad too. Ugh, man, that's just compounds problems. It's a mess. All right, let's talk about some other things because as always we always try to learn stuff so we like to share stuff with our viewers let's talk about what we learned last week
0: boy this uh this lawsuit from former dolphins coach brian flores is exposing a lot of stuff the nfl did not want out there like for example teams paying coaches more to throw games under the theory of getting a draft pick, even though, you know, I think even most first round draft picks stand only about a 20% chance of changing anything on your team. Also, as as we were afraid of the whole Rooney rule, a lot of times that those interviews are just because they are required by the league. Nothing is happening. We still have, I think at this point, one black coach, and so far, no black coaches have been hired during this latest round of hires.
1: So, hell, you got everybody still trying to get rid of Tomlin for like year right? seven in a row or whatever. From from a dude who has literally fifteen consecutive winning seasons with Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell on
0: his team, Ben Roethlisberger having a rubber arm for about with three good years now.
1: Dude, not just that, but like this is a dude who's put you in the playoffs almost every, well, you know, more than 50% of the time, you know, he's gotten you to championship games, got you Super Bowls. Still hadn't had a losing season, right? Exactly. And people are still like, nah, we got to get rid of this guy. I'm like, what? Like, ask any team in the league, any team that didn't make the playoffs, and hell, half the playoff teams, probably would still take him as a coach. I mean, you know, I ain't going to just say, we know why. They they feel yeah. that way about Tomlin. But for real, like, come on. If if there's any black coach that should get a free pass, it's him. That dude has produced miracles out there.
0: Eric Bienemy, who designed, you know, not just the best offense in football, probably currently, but
1: one of the best offenses in the history of the league, still can't get a job. Now, for people that aren't into sports ball, let's let's dive in a little bit and talk about the reason. This case even has legs. <laughs> the fact that Bill Belichick, the coach of the the uh, Patriots, coach Bilichek, he is known for being technologically <laughs> ignorant, to say the least, right? and he and he kind of owns it. It's like it's like an old man meme. Like he's just that guy. He doesn't deal well with technology. He has other people that do. Well, apparently, <laughs> he got word that they were going to hire their coach they were going to hire in New York for the Giants. So he reaches out to Brian Flores and sends a text that says, congratulations on the New York job. And Flores is like, what are you talking about? I don't even interview till later this week. Turns out, Belichick had already got word that they had hired a different Brian. (laughs) And he had texted the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) So of course, right then, Flores was like, yo, y'all have already decided on somebody. You ain't even brought me in. I don't come in for two days. Like, what what the hell? You know, and that's kind of been the backbone of this lawsuit of like, now we had somebody spill the beans and prove that we were just going through the motions and he never had a shot at the job. So yeah, so, it's pretty effed up. Despite
0: being the first coach to win anything with the Dolphins in years. <laughs> yeah, for real. And now we find out that's even with his owner offering him supposedly $100,000 per loss to throw
1: football games for draft standing. Yep. And not just that, like your starting quarterback was hurt when your best receivers was hurt. You had a rotating cast at yeah. running back like, you know, a lot of things were going on and he was still finding ways to at least be competitive in ball games, even if they weren't winning. Your starting uh, quarterback
0: was not only hurt, but had to listen to you attempting to trade for another guy who got 21 sexual assault charges currently pending.
1: Also true. That, that <laughs> a does a whole
0: story. lot for your quarterback's morale. We're like, yeah, you all right. We'd rather have a potential serial rapist on the squad than you because he can throw a football really well.
1: Yeah. So that that's going to be an underlying thing that's going to go on for a several months, I think, before we get to what the resolution is on it. Yeah.
0: This, this is going to be like Kaepernick. We are going to learn so
1: much about the NFL and how it pretends to work. Yep. The the worst thing anybody ever wants is a legal suit, because then they can subpoena all kinds of things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's the one thing organizations like that don't want. So there may be a big settlement that comes his way and Just you might stop him from talking or asking
0: any more questions. Yep.
1: You might also see where he magically is going to end up with a job here in this offseason somewhere. <laughs> At this point, I
0: don't know if he can get a job. I think he realizes this is he set fire to the coaching career, but since he probably felt like he wouldn't get into the job anyway.
1: Maybe. We'll see. There's still some stuff out there. We'll we'll see how stuff ends up. Yeah, th- you know, the thing I came across last week, and it's partly because I started asking about why people want deck lists more in commander and, you know, stuff like that, because commander is very much about, like, personal expression and things like that. It's kind of like, why are, why are you so into wanting deck lists all the time, right? So I was kind of curious. And there were some different reasons, which we outlined. You know, I have a big Twitter thread about it if you want to check it out. But one of the things that came up, especially in some private conversations, was a lot of people kind of assume that in whatever game they play, that the way they play is the best or most popular way. And I started thinking about, it and I asked people about some other games and stuff. And it's kind of like, that's a very popular thing. And it's interesting that people just jump to that conclusion in whatever game that they play. They're like, their way is the popular way. Their way is the best way. And it's like, there's a lot of ways people play a lot of different games. I mean, hell, I, I played it. I, hell, even just random video games. I played. remember playing Fable 2 for about damn near two months before I even realized there was a whole underlying story. I was collecting stuff to train my dog. I was like buying property. I was, yeah. you know, I was doing all these different things. And then like on the sixth or seventh, like little mission I did, I'm like, Oh wait, this person was talking about this other person. I'm like, there's Oh, okay. what's happening. yeah. I'm like, Oh, I get it. There's, there's a story happening here. I, I should have been obvious, but I'm here goofing around doing all these other things. Right. Or games where people are like, Oh, I have to collect all this and I got to get to a hundred percent or whatever. Like once I'm done with the game, I'm probably done. Like, I'm not trying to do all the, like, find all the hidden trinkets and all that stuff. Like, I don't care about seeing that. They're, you know, I don't need to see all 15 alternate endings or whatever. Like, I'm not that guy. And then
0: some people are only there to collect 100% of all the trinkets.
1: Exactly. There are some people, yeah, and that's what I was trying to say. It's so amusing to see how many people think that their way is, like, The thing people need to pay attention to the most or why didn't the programmers do more of this thing or whatever? And it's just like, well, because a lot of people play the game and do other things like they don't necessarily, you know, make that much money off that because people aren't that interested in that thing or whatever. But, yeah, it's just surprising to me how common that logic was, you know, or the assumption that because you play one way, you hate the other way. And it's like, no, I just don't enjoy it as much. If you like it, go for it. Right? That's literally it. Like, I don't care if you want to collect all the things and get 100%, that's all you. Like, your the way you play has nothing to do with the way I play. Hell, even in Commander, where it's a group game, like, I can just not play in your game. <laughs> right? And I'll just go play with somebody else. Like, it's really not that complicated of a thought. But it's just so amazing that that was just like across so many different games that that was the logic. So, I just found it very interesting. Uh, to say the least. But that's why I ask these types of questions and why I do these polls. I always tell people, like, I think because we're in spaces where a lot of people don't ask deeper questions, when you do, there's there's a tendency for people to get very defensive or protective or, you know, they think you're accusing them of something or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm just gathering information so I can piece together this puzzle and have an understanding of the market or the player base or whatever it is I'm trying to work with so I have a full understanding of the picture. And I think more people, again, this comes back to the thing I opened up with. Right? Let's be intentional about the things we're trying to do and understand things deeper. And what are their purposes or how do people interact with stuff? Because that's how we get better things. That's how we get better content. That's how we get more businesses involved. That's how you can market yourself better. So I'm, I'm constantly asking that stuff. And I know some people hate that for my content. It's just going to be a thing. But hopefully, and you know, Three to five years, my stuff is really good because I've done ask all these questions. So, <laughs> like, that's the hope anyway. But now it's time to get into some nitty gritty, some serious issues that happened this week. Now, if you're a magic player, unless you were hiding under a rock this past week, And you might have literally had to have been under a rock or at least had your phone broken and no access to a computer or whatever. So you couldn't look at magic Twitter at all or Facebook, I guess, for that matter, or Instagram, because he posted it on Instagram. You would know that uh, one Seb McKinnon, who is quite a popular magic artist, I would say, if not the current most popular magic artist, one of the top three for sure. He posted proudly that he went to one of these convoy rallies up in Canada. And for those of you who don't know, this rally is for shorthand terms, pretty much a large right-wing event, right? A bunch of anti-vaxxers. Coincidentally, a lot of these points also are tied into groups that happen to also be white supremacists also happen to be Nazis, also happens to be the full-on Trump brigade. Full, It's just that group of folks. I'm, I'm not saying anything else about any of them other than they all exist or there and they all support this event. Now, I will say that it becomes a problem for Seb because this event, if you went and hunted down one of the major organizers for it, And I have to go find the dude's name again. I didn't put that in my notes. But the guy is a very staunch white supremacist. Doesn't use it. Matter of fact, (laughs) he's so conspiracy theory and so down the rabbit hole, that at one point he's doing all the typical talking points about, like, race stuff and blah, blah, whatever. But in the middle of one of his rants, it's like the third or fourth clip from his videos, where... He's talking about, and there's people out there that want the whites. Oh, excuse me. We have to say Anglo-Saxon because if you say white, they get mad. But they want the Anglo-Saxons to no longer procreate. So they eventually die off and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what is this dude talking about? Like he literally is just off the deep. He's on a whole other set of theories that I don't even hear people in that camp. Like, Like he's, he's on the deep, deep end.
0: I was gonna say, I wasn't aware that, that we were running short on white people. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't know, but like he's he was frill on the deep, deep end. Like you know, like so far out. Like I'm have like I'm as I'm listening to his stuff. Like there's points and his stuff he's talking about that I'm like, this is even outside of my spheres of stuff I've researched or whatever. Like you know, of articles I've read, groups I've talked to. Like he's way out there. But when you look at pictures from this event. There are stars and bars hanging off trucks. You know, the Confederate flag, for those who don't know what I'm referencing. But, you know, there's the Trump flags everywhere. There's Nazi flags and regalia out there. And that's a bad look for Seb. Like, just being real. Now, people jumped immediately to, like, well, Seb's a Nazi. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to jump to saying he's a Nazi, but I will definitely say he's at least Nazi adjacent. Like, if you're gonna be at a rally and you look across the way and you see a whole bunch and and you can and I get it sometimes these people just turn up to your rally they're not really part of y'all they've got their own group kind of on the outside fringes or whatever but there was a lot of pictures y'all they never turned up to any of the rallies I was at how about you <laughs> well that's my thing like I, you you go you you tell them you're not welcome or you leave yeah right and if that happened at one maybe I'm at one and there's some dudes show up and I don't know they got. Weapons were and they're like kill Whitey or where I'm like yo y'all might need to chill dog like and if I think it's too dangerous and I'm just leaving I don't need to be there with all that going down right like that's just how it is but the fact of the matter is he went to an event that openly was welcoming to all of these people or they at least felt comfortable enough that they came dressed in their garb they had the shirts they had the flags. And and there was just tons of pictures. I mean, they're all over the Internet. If you go look up stuff about this event, there's they're literally everywhere. So it's not like people are showing the same four pictures, you know, of this like one small group that showed up. Like there was a lot of folks there. I mean, there was like the, the Trump 2024, you know, whatever, like all those people were out there. So it's a bad look. Right. You it, even here's the thing. And I, this is another reason I'm kind of glad that stuff like the pandemic happened. Because it's led to a bunch of stuff just coming out of the woodwork. You know, like stuff that would have been hidden. We're getting to hear the quiet parts out loud now. But the problem is a bunch of people jump to, well, wizards should be vetting their artists better and blah blah blah. And it's like, there's no way. Like, until like we've talked about it on the show. We have a dude that I literally broke bread with, that I that I have paid to work for me and whatever. And he was cool just hanging out with racists and being friends with racists. That's not something we knew up until last year. And that's somebody who we had in our daily lives. <laughs> like, you think Wizards going to know every single thing about every artist they hire and before they come out and go to a big public? I, you know, white supremacist rally,
0: especially because, you know, during a job interview, it's not even legal to ask a lot of questions about what is your religion? What are your politics? Because unless you're, you know, applying to work at the White House, it doesn't apply yeah. to the
1: job. Yeah. If you're not applying for a political organization, they can't ask. So like, I, so I just wish people would be I mean, I know I'm asking for a lot, but like you and we've talked about wizards on this show like but i'm i'm a believer like if we're gonna hate on somebody when they screw up we got to be fair when they haven't screwed up and this is not one you can put on wizards like there's no way for them to know this like and because and you you know we talked about it off the air like people change over time too like seb's been an artwork for them for years now we all know again people we know that we thought we knew and then we went through the, the Trump years and we went through the pandemic and all of a sudden we don't know the people we thought we knew. And again, these are people we interact with on a personal level, people that have been in our lives or whatever, that we magically are seeing their true colors. So like I, I'm not putting this on Wizards. This is a case where Seth McKinnon messed up. This isn't a Wizards messed up thing. This is the same way when I see people that want to, like, take down a whole business or whatever because one employee screwed up. Like, if one employee does something idiotic, but the company and his peers or his coworkers obviously don't agree with it, well, then it's just him that screwed up. That's not systematic. That's just an idiot. And here's the thing. Like, I'm not even sitting here saying that McKinnon doesn't have the right to feel the way he feels. You know, maybe he doesn't agree with mandates forcing you to take vaccines or whatever. Right. Whatever. I see it differently, but whatever. I get it. Like you you feel how you do. The problem I have with it um, for me, and this is just not me speaking for the community or whatever, just my personal view, is that you showed up as a public figure to an event that was run by a white supremacist or at least organized by a white supremacist that was very welcoming and open and comfortable enough of environment for all these other ne'er-do-wells to show up that the community at large sees as the villain. So you make a decision when you see that if you want to stay there and ignore all that or not. But to feel comfortable enough in your position that you wouldn't make a large public post on Instagram and Twitter? Ooh, bruh. Like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this ain't going to end well. And you know, this is what I call the Joe Rogan theory. They're like, people see Joe Rogan say some stuff and they're like, oh, well, he gets support and he's got whatever. Like people forget if Joe Rogan got his show shut down tomorrow, he's probably still got $300 million, $400 million of walking around money in the bank if he wants it. Not counting all the investments and whatever. He's got TV money. He's got UFC money. He's got Spotify money. He's got endorsement money. The average artist don't even make 10% of that.
0: So, Plus, if, if, like you said, the podcast went away tomorrow, he could still get booked at top rate in any comedy club in the world for the rest of his
1: life just because of how famous he is. For sure. For sure. So he's going to be able to say and do some things that the rest of people aren't. And I think people don't realize that. Like, it's like a lot of things. Some people just get too comfortable in their position. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say this is Wizard's fault. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Seth McKinnon's a Nazi. But again, You're at least Nazi adjacent and you at least have very poor judgment when you show up to an event like that and you don't either make the decision to at least highlight that you were against those people being there or walk away from the event. But just being there is just like not good. Just not good. I just like, like I said, I immediately saw it and knew it was going to be a problem. It was like, and it's sad, too, because he's an artist that I know a lot of people really like. His style isn't so much for me, but a lot of people love a lot of his work. And they, people were upset. And I get it. It's, you know, they they just got told Santa Claus ain't real. And it sucks. So, yeah, I, I don't know where this is going. I don't know if this means Wither's going to no longer work with them. I don't know if... Whatever, but as people started digging, what they discovered is over the last couple of years, Seb has started following some questionable people on like Twitter and stuff. He's retweeted some things.
0: I guess if we use the Therese Nielsen example, yeah, at some point he <laughs> doesn't work there anymore. hmm. Going by what they've done previously.
1: Quite possibly. We'll find out. I don't know. I think it's going to be unfold. This is still fairly new, it's only been up for a couple of days. So you know you got to give people a chance to really dig into it ask questions follow up whatever but i don't know if this ends well for seb honestly
0: i can't see any way it does yeah it's again what publicly traded company is going to work with somebody who like you said if is it at the minimum nazi adjacent
1: nobody can yeah that's the problem right it's and and again, he's come out and said, No, I'm not a Nazi. If they'd have done something, I would have been against it too, or whatever. But it's like, dude, but you're you're promoting being at an event yeah. where they were open about the fact that they are Nazi sympathizers. Right? That's that's the problem. You you were at an event where people are very openly waving their Confederate flags. Because again, you know, this man,
0: th- th- he's an artist. He's not a CEO or somebody that's irreplaceable. There are plenty of other people who have his talent, to, who who have his you know talent set that
1: aren't Nazi adjacent. Again, he's easily replaceable. He he got too comfortable. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing with a lot of folks. You you're getting these people that you're seeing, and it's all over TikTok and stuff. It's all over the YouTube Shorts where, you know, that lady who walked into where well, she was in a, a Victoria's Secret. Yeah, trying to trying to start a scene with somebody. But magically, when she realized people were watching whatever, she tried to play the victim. And it was like, nah, you got come thinking nobody's going to say nothing. Now they got you on camera. <laughs> right? Like, there's a lot of that where people got used to acting a certain way. Yep. Now it's like, oh, I can't do this? It was like, yeah, but it's too late now. <laughs> people caught it. What had
0: happened?
1: Yeah, exactly. What had happened was... <laughs> So yeah, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. I I again, I just because his popularity, I know some people are gonna be very sad about it. I don't blame them. You know, you don't want to just just from a community standpoint. Like I know a lot of people that are fans of his and it sucks that they have to sit and go through this, right? Somebody that you really like or whatever, you find out they're they're kind of in cahoots with the bad guys. You know, I don't I don't even again, I don't even think, at least from what I've seen, nothing outwardly says that McKinnon carries all those beliefs. However, when you're supporting things that they support openly and you're not actively talking against that, it's rough. So for a lot of people, it
0: isn't even the Nazi that's a deal breaker. It's like, you know, being anti-vax was already more than they cared to hear.
1: Yeah. And, and I get that. Like I, the anti-vax stuff bothers me too, but I, I'm at least in, in a position where I'm like, I we're where we are. We're going to be with it. you either you're on board or you're not right. Like I, I'm, I've kind of decided I'm not fighting that fight no more. Like we we are now going into year three of this mess. If you just don't get it, you don't get it at this point. But there's again, even beyond the Nazis, you have all the white supremacist stuff. You have the leadership issues there. You know, like I said, the whole Confederate flag racism stuff. Mm -hmm. Still, like there was so many elements in that thing. Like it was almost like a check. Like if you had a bingo card, (laughs) right? You you for real could have checked off all the tropes i mean you could have been playing blackout on your bingo card mm-hmm. and you'd have got it like because every picture you could literally go yep I, that you know the outfits the people the looks the the music the flags all of it was there so it's like yeah that's a tough one but that wasn't the only artist news we had this week For those of you who don't know, uh, Christopher Rush was a magic artist for years. He passed a couple of years ago. I just had some health issues for a very long time. But his daughter, Sierra Troy Rush, has been, I guess, uh, appointed to be in charge of his estate, if you will. You know, all of his art, his belongings, whatever, and slowly doling it out for herself and the family or whatever to, to get funds So she's been selling off a bunch of his old artwork or prints and things that he's signed or whatever in preparation for such a time, right? So she's pulling stuff out of storage and out of his old collections and whatever. Well, there was a situation that came up, uh, I want to say over the last week, where some people had questions about the signatures on some of the items she was selling. So I guess it's as far as I could piece together, because I had to look into a couple of different sources, but... They had reached out to two different organizations that do authentication on signatures. It sounds like there's a service or something you can pay for that. I guess if you send them pictures, they will at least give you a rough idea on if it will or won't pass authentication, like if it has a real shot or not. So I guess you don't send them real money and send it to them. Then they tell you, sorry, it failed. That's what I'm assuming the service is for. So anyway, these two groups said these signatures are likely to not pass authentication. So with that information, they reached back out to her, had some kind of discussion, depending on which side you talk to, there's different versions. And then they booted her out of the group that she was using to sell to people who want magic artist signatures and artwork. So, you know, she's defended herself and, you know, they've justified their stance or whatever. But the interesting thing is there are many people in the community that know that Christopher Rush was sick for a very long time. Even to the point that he showed up to events or special signings and he would apologize to people that, hey, my signature may not be great today, you know, just having a bad day, right, physically. And everybody sort of got that. And there's people I've seen who've commented that, you know, they have one from like 25 years ago and they have one from like 12 years ago or whatever. And they're they're a little different, similar, but different. And that makes a lot of sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, I I think that is very logical. Now, from what I understand, from what I could find, there was nothing saying that there was anything, I guess the best term I could use would be anachronistic about the signature versus the piece, right? It wasn't something printed on, like, new paper that happened to have a Christopher Rush signature or whatever. Like, it sounds like all the things would at least have been legit for the time period they would have been signed, you know, when he was alive and all that. So, it's not like anything was obviously wrong that couldn't have had those signatures. So it's an interesting back and forth situation. And honestly, I don't know who's right in this scenario, but it was at least news. And I think it was worth mentioning, but it's kind of a tough one, right? Because you know, as well as I do, like athletes have issues as they get older. Right. And that's a common theme for people that do art or athlete signatures, right? Because you get people have bad hands, you know, arm injuries, whatever. So, if they're doing, well, yeah, <laughs> yes. at two. So if you have a three or four hour signing, you know, sometimes they're on signature, you know, six hundred or something of the day, yeah. right? Their signatures don't look as clean as they do, and people take that into account, you know, when they're authenticating. But I don't know if somebody could do that from just looking at images, right? Because when they when they authenticate. You know, you get them under a microscope, they're looking at pin strokes, they're looking at width of the pin and whatever to try to figure out, was this like one continual thing? Does this person pick up their pin usually when they transition from an I to a T or whatever it is, right? So even if it's not identical, they can at least say, okay, the, the motions make sense to be this type of signature. So it probably was the same person just at a different point in time or whatever. As a matter of fact, I'm dealing with a similar situation. I say like dealing. I will eventually when I get to go to a trade show again. But I have a baseball that uh, a family member had that has what could be a Mickey Mantle autograph on it. But from what I know about Mickey Mantle signature, I kind of go like, eh, this probably isn't authentic, but I don't know when it was signed. You know what I mean? So like if it was signed later, it might look different than the ones I know. So I need to go get it authenticated in person, just showing somebody a picture wouldn't necessarily be enough.
0: I so, also need to mention, you know, just because they say they're not going to verify it, they're not saying you're any kind of con artist. They're just saying they're not comfortable verifying it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for my same way,
0: like you could have, you know, a fold in it somewhere or a bubblegum stain. They're just everything doesn't everything did not get verified.
1: Also true. So yeah, so it's an interesting story. I I'm not saying either side is right or wrong without seeing them myself, at least, to say like I can see where this would come from or whatever. But it's an it's an interesting story, you know, because I don't think we've had this type of situation before in Magic, because most of the artists either that have died that I know of didn't have major health issues over a long period of time to have that variation in in signatures, or they're all still alive signing stuff. Right. So We it's an it's a interesting story to talk about. And and I think this will probably still play out again for another couple of months. But I think the end result is at least giving people a frame of reference. So if it comes up again, it'd be like, hey, remember when this happened with Christopher Rush's stuff like this might be similar to that? Because up until this point, the magic community hasn't had one of those cases to even reference. And this is the, this is the only one I can think of all the other artists I can think of either just, you know, the, their time came and they just died from whatever reason, or they're still signing stuff, but he's the only I'm trying to think is, yeah, I really can't think of anybody else that just has had health issues that would affect their signature. Yeah. Cause
0: I mean, comparing magic to things such as baseball cards, football cards, their hobby is in its infancy in comparison to those things.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's it's also weird too, because like you know, we I was talking about this the other day. Like one of the reasons Kobe Bryant's death affected people so much is because for our generation, every major important athlete we've seen is still alive, right. you know, or or they died at like eighty or ninety. Yeah. You know I mean, like none of them have died at whatever at forty. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just not a thing. Younger like, than us, it's just
0: that doesn't yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, it's just not a thing we've ever seen. Right, so. There's no reference point for that, so it was very weird for people. Now, this involves a signature, but it's kind of the same thing. We've not had to deal with this before, so the community is still trying to like shake it out and be like, who's right, who's wrong? Is this a real thing? Was she trying to scam us? Was the signature I bought from her legit or not? Like, there's a lot of people asking questions right now, so it's it's a tough thing. I, and again, I don't I, without seeing it all, I can't even make a educated guess as to who's right or who's not. I'll let the legal folks settle it out, however they decide to do it. But it is possible, realistically, that the signatures are 100% legit. I honestly believe that. And and from everything I've seen from her so far, I have no reason to believe anything she's done is scammy. It all looks legit, even her follow-up, you know, the group she's still running to try to move stuff or whatever. Nothing feels like... She's making emergency moves because oh, she might have been found out that she got some scammer stuff, or you know what I mean. She's still like totally normal, business as usual. Still reaching out to the same people, like. Because and I've I've caught some people in some scams and some behavioral changes and some things happen and you know you see some stuff get shifted. None of those things are happening, so I'm tempted to believe her with the knowledge that we know about the situation, but. Yeah, something we'll definitely be keeping our eyes on. We may, if something comes of it, and I get wind of it, I'll I'll bring it up on a later episode. But something to look into if you're if you're curious. It's a very interesting story. Um, for those who don't follow her, there is a really good uh, Asian woman who goes by Hiyu Yu. I say goes by that's her name. Um, she goes by Nifit on twitter but i would recommend following her she's a good follow the important thing is she does a lot of commentary for magic events and she's really intelligent she she's very passionate you know she she always has her thoughts together and one of the things she was talking about on on twitter this past week i believe on monday is when she posted it basically calling out people saying like look. You know, she's doing tons of events over the last couple of years. And there was one stretch where she was kind of like me. She was just doing a bunch of commentary stuff. And She was doing even more than I was. She's still doing more than I am now, actually. And she's talking about, look, I'm still doing all these events. You know, like, uh, I'm still doing commentary for all these things. I'm still working for all these companies. Like, I'm watching high-level play every week. I'm watching names that you just don't know but they're on the come up there's people trying to get that brass ring or whatever people playing very well and bringing creative decks and doing all this stuff but kind of calling out to people saying like look if you're just around here saying that competitive magic doesn't exist because it's not the same old thing or it's not the thing you want or not the thing you like it's almost disparaging to all these other people who are out here grinding and trying and these companies that are offering stuff you know whether that be cash or invites or product or whatever when everybody's still putting in effort and time and work and people are watching these events. That's the other thing. Like I just did commentary for a degenerate gaming event, what three weeks ago. And we didn't have, I don't know if we had any big names in the event, maybe one. And we were still with other events going on. We still topped out at one point at like seven or 800 viewers. So people are watching these events. Like they're drawing eyeballs. People care. And the prizes are still legit. You've still got invites for some of these big set championships events and stuff. Like you've got cash prizes. You've got sponsors putting in money. It just doesn't look the way it used to look. And I think that's a real conversation. Because we talked about it before. They've started changing that in a lot of the video game communities too. The way the tournaments look don't look the same anymore. You know, you have prizes coming from different ways. The structures have changed. Smaller organizations are getting involved. You know, hell, even when we talk like the match type folks, right, are, are getting involved yeah. in things, right? These is, these aren't the same usual suspects running stuff. And partly because COVID, the systems have changed, the way you can organize it, the way you can host championships, what you can do in each country. Like all those rules have changed and people are trying to figure it out. But in the interim, you have people stepping up to the plate and you have a lot of people still playing these games. And when people say, like, those aren't happening, blah, blah, it's like, no, competitive tournaments are still happening. Otherwise, what am I doing for eight hours when I'm doing commentary on an event? <laughs> right? Like, some number of people showed up. And we've had some that are quite big. You know, 100 people still showing up to play in these events and win prizes. You know, we had Ultra Pro sponsor a tournament last month. Gave away $1,000. You know, like, there's still stuff happening. So... I get where she's coming from right now. Immediately, some people took offense because, you know, it came off as, you know, she was trying to came off sounding like she's accusing of being gatekeepy or whatever. And people hate the term gatekeeping and, you know, whatever. So it's kind of like a hot button thing. I get that. But if you really look at the meat of what she said, ignore the word gatekeep and and just look at her message. It makes a lot of sense. Right. There's a lot of people out here trying the gameplay is still exciting in these matches. We have a lot of close games, a lot of real creative players. You know, so I I don't it's it's like I said, the idea of just like no competitive magic, it's just become a meme of people talking about it and it's overblown, right? It's the same being when people go like
0: I would don't know that I'd say overblown, especially after Star City just blew up everything. <laughs> It's not over for no, all the people that lost their
1: jobs. You know? No, but, you. but but even Star City is still doing a bunch of tournaments coming up every month in February and March and April. They already have venues picked out. Hell, they're, they did it. Not only that, Ben Blywise posted that their first tournament that they had, I think it was a modern tournament, if I'm not mistaken. They had 400 slots. It sold out. They opened a second tournament so they can run an additional 400-person tournament on the same weekend. And then they even set it up to where if the second one doesn't fill, they're going to move some people from the first one into the second one. So they each have a smaller field to play against or whatever, to keep them fair. So there's people showing up for big cash tournaments that are still being run. Now coverage and whatnot doesn't look the same, but organizations are still giving away money and still run. Hell, we still, you know, we were just talking about that big vent in Vegas back in October, you know, like people are still doing stuff now, granted, I don't know if you should be doing stuff and gathering or whatever, that's a whole different argument. Right. But People are still doing big events. People are still giving away big prizes. People are still playing for stakes. They just don't look like they used to from a structural standpoint. That's the biggest thing. Now, we can go on, and on about, like, should there be coverage? Should events be handled in venues right now? Should we, like... I mean, if lots. you want people to know about it, there absolutely should be coverage.
0: Yeah, lots of ways part, we could dissect yeah, that. That's part of the reason people don't know about these grinders is because there
1: isn't as much coverage. Sure. Well, yeah, they're not from the big organizations. Yes, that, that much is true. But I mean, to just sit here and some of it is people also being willfully ignorant. I will say that because there's some people I know that they see the post. They have they follow some of the same people I do. They've been in some of the same twi- tweet. The Twitter threads or whatever, right? But saying like, oh, there's no organized play. Nobody plays competitive. Nobody does. Eh, that's not totally true and you know it. Like, come on. I get it. You're waiting for Wizards to make an announcement or whatever, and we all are. Like, we, we know that's coming somewhere on the horizon and we all want to know. But like, we know the drill at this point. Until there's at least some level of clarity with the pandemic, we are not going to hear anything out of Wizards of the Coast. Like, whether we like it or not, that's just where we're at. And I get it. I've been there from a legal standpoint. They are not going to put things at risk, period. And I don't care what people are saying that like, well, the guys running Flesh and Blood did this thing. The people running this other game are doing this thing like, cool, they can do that. We've talked about it on the show. It makes sense for them taking a shot while the big dog's sleeping or whatever. Right. But Wizards ain't going to do it. And I know people say, ah, oh, that's just going to kill the game. It's not. They're making money retailers are still making money like they figured out things to do in the interim now when it comes back will it be a boost for everybody absolutely and stores get to start running grand or, uh, pro tour qualifiers again we'll get back to going to grand prix it'll be a great time but we ain't there yet and it ain't going to be here until whenever it is that the pandemic starts to subside like that's what we're waiting on Hopefully that day comes sooner rather than later, <laughs> like because, you know, here we are in month whatever, 26 or whatever, trying to wait this thing out. But yeah, it comes when it comes. Right. But I but I thought her thread was actually reasonable. I know some people took it the wrong way or whatever, because, you know, people always do that. They They see the one thing they don't like and they want to attack that or whatever. But I think she worded it very well and, you know, was very clear about, look, basically check out some of these things. Give some of these things a chance, right? If you are looking for a competitive play, quit listening to all the people saying that there's none out there because there is plenty. Hell, on MTG Melee, you can see, hell, sometimes 30 events a day being run or whatever on there, right? So there's definitely events happening of all different sizes, all different entry fees, all different prizes. So people in various places are still finding ways to do events. Let's just give a chance to them. Now we can talk about there being no high-level pro play, which there's some still with the World Championships and the Set Championships or whatever, but I get it. Like, that's a discussion to have. But to say there's, like, no organized play is really just a false narrative at this point. But that brings us to the dinner table because we are getting deep into the... We're already over the hour mark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we knew we would. And this is after we cut a <clears throat> bunch of stuff.
1: Uh, but there was an interesting subject to talk about here and it comes to the subject of slavery in our creative products, if you will. And I kind of wanted, and I I guess I'll let you start here, Brian, but I kind of wanted to ask like, because somebody else, I've had a couple of people ask me over the last few months, how I feel about it. But should we remove references to slavery? In our fantasy products or our storytelling.
0: And I I would say no, because to me, that's like the book burning or banning argument. I mean, storytelling is storytelling. And sometimes we have to tell stories about people who are evil.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, I feel like if we're using it, well, really, there's two reasons I would still want it. One is when you're trying to give context to how bad a person or a situation or whatever is, right? If you have this big bad, whatever the big bad is, a person, a group, whatever, that is basically making slaves out of whatever other group or organization or whatever. And I don't know, maybe you're trying to liberate these people or they're using the labor they're getting for something really evil or whatever it makes sense, right? It's part of the story and it justifies the narrative and whatever. I'm like, and I'm okay with that, right? The other is if you're doing something from a historical context, right? If you're doing something that happens in a period of time in a country where a certain group is enslaved by another group, well, if you're trying to tell it accurately, then sure. Now, include all the facts, treat it properly, all that stuff. But like, I would rather it be there than not to like just cover up a thing, right? If you want it, if it's part of the story and it makes sense or part of the narrative for the game or whatever, then yes. include. Now, if we're just putting it in frivolously, I, we don't need to do that. But if it, if it's part of the narrative, then sure, go ahead and include it. Cause I I'm a big fan and I, and I think you largely agree too, is that like, It's okay for there to be things that make people uncomfortable at times. If it makes sense for the story you're trying to tell.
0: That's I mean, that's what it already is like. We just talked about how a um, mouse has been banned by a school board. And it, because these are the reason we need kids to read mouse and talk about the Holocaust is because these are uncomfortable things. And there are people as we talked about in the pre-show. You can <laughs> there, there are people still actively trying to say the Holocaust didn't happen. We need to educate kids that when they hear that, then that these people are
1: insane. <laughs> yeah that's true. I mean, professionals, business professionals that don't believe those things, ever yeah. happen, which is which is wild. but yeah, I, I think it's part of the stories and the narratives that you have to have to get to those points, right. I mean, and in you know, the example I used was we all kind of knew, or at least most of us knew, that there was a lot of police brutality happening and a lot of crazy stuff going on. and we'd seen some pictures before and, this and that but it's like, ah, none of those are that bad or ah, it's kind of coincidental. But the minute everybody got to actually see a dude die in the street in public, everything changed. Because then everybody's uncomfortable now. You know what I mean? Like it, it was just a story before, but then when they had more context to the story, all of a sudden it was like, oh, hold on a second. Right. And, and, the, and black
0: people are like, we've been trying to tell you.
1: Yeah. and And I think it's okay for people to be a little bit, uncomfortable at times because that adds stakes to it right whether that's why you need to take out the villain why certain people feel the way they do you know what's the motivation for certain groups you know how did certain people get to feel or be a certain way right like there's a lot of context of those things but again it's for me it's like how you treat that narrative
0: exactly and that's not to say, you know, because obviously we, we we can't see your movie or in a lot of cases your board game until you've made it. So it, it's hard because there's no – there are definitely like movies I've seen where like, boy, I wish they hadn't gotten the, the right to use history. But that's not the decision we get to make. Either everybody gets to use it or nobody gets to use it.
1: Yeah. And I would never idea.
0: say that nobody – I would never say that nobody gets to do it.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think I'd want to ever take it away completely. There's there's too many things that can be taught through it being part of a narrative.
0: If you're doing something that's based on the Civil War or the Roman Empire, then this is a thing you have to talk about because it's part of history.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's relevant. Now, again, do I think it needs to be just like the core subject of a board game? Like, not really. Like, there's other ways we could tell that story or that narrative or whatever in most cases, right? I mean, I guess... It
0: it depends on the game. If it's a game about... And I think there are games about slaves trying to get to the Underground Railroad and escape.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if if it's literally exactly that, then yeah. But again, we're talking about from almost a historical context of, like, we're going back to this moment in time and then we're making this the mission of the game, right? Not just here's a group of slaves that randomly happens to be enslaved by this other group. And this is where you're starting for the game. You know, right? Like eh, we could do this in a way that it's good, but I would bet more people would mess it up than get it right. <laughs> like, but like you're saying, if it's something like the underground railroad, it's like, okay, we at least have historical context. We can draw from it. And it can be somewhat educational because you can have different locations and different people and, you know, whatever, all be part of the game to get you from point A to point B. And your successes and failures could be based on actual real-world events that happened or real people or whatever. And there's something to be said for that. Because, I mean, we found that board game, you know, it was about a year ago and we were talking about it. And I I need to look that up and at least try it at some point because I'm kind of curious. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I would want to remove. Like, just wholesale removing a concept feels a little tough to me. I'm not like even some of the more vile things I can think of. There are some corner case narratives where I'm like, yeah, but that could still work as a reasonable storytelling vehicle to elicit certain response to give a narrative or context to a thing. But I do think there are several subjects that need to be handled very delicately. Well, there's apparently an incredible storyline
0: going on right now in Superman's comics where he's on Warworld and has no powers. And effectively, Superman is a slave. Interesting. And at the story, you can't tell any other way, you know, where really the most powerful being
1: in the universe feels what it's like to become completely powerless. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? You're going the exact opposite of what he basically the most powerful thing to now the least powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's even from there. It's like, okay, how does that experience affect the character over the next year or two years or whatever? Right. Does that give him more sympathy for the commoner or whatever, you know, does he feel he has more responsibility with his powers or whatever? Is is he
0: willing to kill? Because it's easy to not kill people when you're invulnerable. There are a million different ways you can handle the situation. And when all you got is a brick.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's true too. Like that, that could become a thing. Right. And now he's got that to, to deal with, but that's a good example, right? Like where you're using it to really get deep into the narrative of a story. It's not just like, Well, we just have this person, you know, it's not like we just have Leia enslaved by Jabba the Hutt because or whatever. You know what I mean? Like nothing came of that at all in that story other than a sexy Leia outfit. Literally nothing like it didn't hardly get referenced later. It didn't change anybody's view of Jabba the Hutt. It didn't really change anybody's view of Leia. It was just a thing. So it's like, yeah, probably didn't need it there. It was kind of silly, but I get it. You're just giving more style and context to the character saying this is what they do, and whatever. It was the late 70s, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like I so get many it. things
0: can be explained by it was the late 70s. We're sorry, exactly. Like, I get it, the, the, the fashion, it. so many things. Like, it was the late 70s,
1: dude. I ain't hating on them butterfly collars and bell bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right. On that note, Brian, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you on social media.
0: I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, uh, YouTube, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After.
1: And you can find me just about everywhere at PowerDragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And as always, we want to say wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourself out there because Brian's showing you COVID ain't no joke. Go get your flu shots, all that other good stuff. Stay away from humans for a while. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us at our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at colorofmtg. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.